20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome in, everyone, to another edition of the Pack a Day Podcast. Thanks again for taking the time to join us today. My name is Dan Connick, and today I'm joined by my two co hosts, as per usual. It's Matt Fralick and Janelle Mackey. Guys, how the heck are you doing? Doing well. Doing well. I said this before we started recording. It's We're recording this on Sunday morning, so it's nice to wake up, drink some coffee, hang out, got the whole day ahead of us. Normally, I feel like we're all kind of getting done with our work day or what have you, so it's nice to just wake up with uh, just... I was looking at some clips from a few of these guys that are new to the roster for the uh, running back, so I'm excited to dive into that. Janelle, how's your Sunday morning treating you? Yeah, well... I didn't sleep well because we never record in the morning, so I was nervous I was going to sleep through our record time, so (laughs) I'm a little tired. I might have to take a nap after this, but yeah, just kind of a change of scenery recording in the morning, so we'll see. You guys will have to let us know. Are we better in the morning or the evening? (laughs) Janelle, I thought you were going to say you were having trouble sleeping because of what happened to the wild. Ooh. How dare you? Too soon. (laughs) Are you handling that okay though? Like what? Like are you process? Because I I feel like you and I are kindred spirits when it comes to when it comes to hockey, at least in the the Packer community. So yeah. how how are you handling that? I mean, it's not an unfamiliar pain, is the thing. <laughs> like I'm used to a first round exit. I'm just not used to eleven second overtime. Yeah, that's that's not good, and especially like it has I, I, like it feels different. For well, I'm a I'm a Bruins fan, so like I'm just watching these round robin games, which haven't been great for them either. But like this weird thing, it, it's like it feels like these knockout rounds leading into the cup. Everyone had like this sort of like why not us mentality, and so yeah, to go home a little early like that has to kind of that's not great. No, I've been sad. <laughs> yeah. Um, Real quick, I want to I want to take a I, if you guys don't mind, I want to digress since we're talking hockey for a quick second here. Um I want to just give a huge shout out to a, a really a good friend of mine um who you may have seen in the news recently. Uh Everett Fitzhugh went to college with this kid. Um we did broadcasting together at Bowling Green State University and uh Friday was named the very first African American NHL play-by-play announcer for the new uh, expansion team, the Seattle Kraken. And I know it has nothing to do with Packer football. It doesn't even have anything to do with football. But I wanted to take the small platform that we have to give a huge shout-out to this guy because uh, I've gotten to see his career and him grind. And since I have someone that appreciates hockey, I felt like I could kind of get away with it. <laughs> so a huge shout-out to Everett Fitzhugh. And I don't know. we got they got to figure out uh, something for the Kraken, like cracking up or... Is it just oh. release the Kraken? You start, as far as like branding and stuff like that, or as far as yeah, like you yeah. know, like a go pack go for like the Seattle Kraken. I don't know. I feel like that's in your realm, Dan. You're usually pretty creative with that type of stuff, but <laughs> that's awesome. That's really cool. I saw you post about that earlier or late last week on Twitter, but yeah, that's fantastic. Especially someone you went to college with and you guys experience all that stuff together. As far as just getting into the broadcasting or podcasting or TV, whatever realm, that's that's awesome. That he, first African American play-by-play that's that's wild i mean but uh yeah good for him that's that's really cool yeah very cool yeah okay enough of enough of this (laughs) personal bullcrap let's talk green bay packer football guys uh training camp we are in the the middle of it things are starting to happen 
and that means it's time to break down these position groups. Took care of quarterbacks yesterday, so we've got the running backs groups. Am I off base by saying this is one of the... I think it's the most interesting group to watch this year and moving forward into next year because of you know all of the different things. A.J. Dillon, all, uh, Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones... Every like, there's nobody on this on this roster for the running backs who it's like we know is going to be a huge contributor like next year. You know what I mean? Like we all know Devonte Adams is going to be here next year contributing. Aaron Rodgers is going to be here next year contributing. But running backs, like you could argue that no one is is like 100, percent couldn't you? No, there's no one that's 100. percent It's there's a lot of headlines between. <clears throat> Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, A.J. Dillon coming in. What's going to go on with Dexter Williams, Tyler Irvin, uh, and the few you know fringe guys that we'll get to. But it is, it's interesting to look at because I've said this from day one, like Aaron Jones probably if he has another great season like he did last year, he's playing himself out of a contract. Jamal Williams is like a really good supplemental guy, and I think he took a step up last year um, in that Matt LaFleur offense. But I think we're just overall seeing – a change from the Mike McCarthy area era, having more running backs, guys that are versatile, can do a lot of things, and they're really adding pieces that are going to be able to contribute. So I think it's it's interesting to see in year two what that's going to look like um, when they roll out the offense. Yeah, I was just kind of thinking before we hopped on here how how much it's changed, how not too long ago we had so many receivers that we literally had to convert Montgomery into a running back and now it's kind of role reversal where we have a lot of running backs in this group and we're kind of more scarce with the receivers so it's kind of a an interesting switch here how we have so many guys here to talk about where in the past we've had it's mostly been receivers we're talking about and trying to figure out who's going to fill that running back role so yeah it's going to be really interesting to see this year with the talent in this group and then going into next year too, what talent will stay with the Packers and who will move on or get cut. Yeah. And so to just to recap from last year, uh, Aaron Jones obviously was the number one guy for the Green Bay Packers up and down, started all 16 games, rushed for over a thousand yards on 236 attempts, 16 rushing touchdowns, also threw in uh, three receiving touchdowns and just about 500 yards receiving as well for Aaron Jones. Jamal Williams, uh, obviously in that solid number two role, 460 yards rushing, 253 uh, receiving. Also threw in six touchdowns altogether, but he was the guy that was really that more receiving threat. He had five receiving touchdowns. And then, um, believe it or not, Aaron, well, I guess this is a pretty easy stat to to believe, but Aaron Rodgers was the third leading rusher for the Green Bay Packers uh, last year with 103 <laughs> rushing yards. Um, but Trey Carson and Dexter Dexter Williams and Tyler Irvin were the other running backs that had um, stats and everything from last year. Uh, right now, on just going off of the roster that's on the Packer website, um, the running backs that are coming into camp or are on the team right now, Demaria Crockett. A.J. Dillon, the rookie, Tyler Irvin, Aaron Jones, um, Patrick Taylor, the rookie out of Memphis, Dexter Williams, and uh, Jamal Williams. So let's let's start this off uh, with just a real easy question. Or I guess, I don't know, maybe not so easy. How many running backs do they keep onto the roster for 
opening day? That's not an easy question, Dan. That's actually a pretty a, hard question. So it's a it's a it's a simple it's a simple question, but uh, the answer behind it is complicated. I think exactly. Tyler Irwin yeah, is what makes it a difficult question. Yes. He's kind of what makes it tough. Like you would want to say three, but then he technically is a running back, but you want him on special teams. So it's like, well, do you take four so you can have Irvin for special teams and also have Jones, Williams, and Dylan? Or what happens with that number two running back spot or number three? I don't know. Like Irvin really just kind of screws it up here. (laughs) It's complicated for me too. Like, yeah, Irvin for sure is a great point, Janelle. But like, I think it screws it up for two ways. One, we don't know how many guys might test positive for COVID, right? And like running back, mm-hmm. pretty important position. Like Matt LaFleur's already talked about having three quarterbacks and possibly isolating the third one just to make sure they don't contaminate that that uh, position group. So like having f- four is probably the bare minimum they need to do. And I think it's just important because they do have some fringe guys. Patrick Taylor's a guy I want to get to here. Dexter Williams, they, you know, they, they liked him. I'm not a huge fan of him, but I really see that it's going to be at least four, possibly five, but – um, and, and also with the Tyler Irvin role, he's like a, you know, he's a hybrid type player, just like some of the H backs and fullbacks they've had on, um, the roster and gone with and released. And now they have a few new ones, but like that, that's another position that's kind of bleeds into the running back group. But, um, and it's, it's also Matt LaFleur's offense, right? It's going to be more run heavy. You gotta, you gotta expect that, you know, Aaron Jones is gonna be more of a receiving back, um, and continue to, you know, they're going to use that role and that skill set he has to create matchup issues and the same thing with AJ Dillon, Tyler Irvin and it's so it's it's two for me one what covid's going to do to the roster and two what it, the Matt LaFleur offense is going to look like in year 2 and if he wants to you know have a few more guys and run a platoon type uh running back core yeah and i i think something Janelle said too when we were first breaking this down is a look at how the wide receiving core is is going to dictate what the running back core looks like because like she said there's there's not as many wide receivers like this is not an offense that they're going to keep seven wide receivers you know on this roster that that's not the way this offense is is planning on being built or being run like that's just the that's just the nature of it so that opens up another spot for another running back and i think Obviously, obviously, your three this year for sure guarantees are, of course, Jones, Williams, and the rookie AJ Dillon. Tyler Irvin, I think, just because of that fact of not as many wide receivers being kept on this roster, I think he sneaks his way into that because you could argue like Tyler Irvin is is more yeah he's that he's the hybrid wide receiver running back like he's almost like like what they sort of want wanted Valdez Scantling to kind of be before he's been sort of maybe, you know, been more that wide receiver is like kind of that guy that's going to run like the jet sweep stuff, the, the big motion things. Like, I think that's what they're looking more for Tyler Irvin to be sort of that. So, and then you throw in, of course, the, the special teams aspect of it. I think four is a pretty solid number to say. And then, I don't know if like maybe maybe Dexter Williams becomes that guy they keep in keep in the bubble like you were saying, Matt. I would mm-hmm. love to I would love to see that uh, the bubble the bubble team that they they put together there 
is uh, a court. You got a quarterback, a running back. You've got like basically like half of an offense sitting there in a bubble, just waiting. Um, let me let me say this to or let me ask you guys this question, an even tougher question. Um, since we're talking hypothetical and we're talking about Aaron Jones, he is the biggest question mark out of this group moving forward. Would you rather see? a season coming up where Aaron Jones plays a little bit below what he did last year, which keeps sort of his market value down and the Packers are able to work out a situation where Jones, Williams, and Dylan are your three running backs playing next year as well? Or would you rather a Christian McCaffrey sort of like season where he breaks out and is a huge weapon and... Uh, and the Packers just kind of take their chances moving forward, either t- either seeing the value of him or uh, letting him go for you know whatever his market value becomes. So that was one hypothetical I was thinking about last night, Dan. I sat and thought, I'm like, okay, <clears throat> if Aaron Jones has a down year, I just think that that really impacts the Packers' offense clearly, and I think just his versatility. If he's not getting a you know those high touchdowns high yardage, or even targets in the passing, and that's going to affect that offense quite a bit. So um, I think that would make the decision a lot harder for the front office, especially with you know, Jamal Williams' contract, Devontae Adams' contract coming up at some point. Still haven't resigned Kenny Clark, which is baffling to me. David yeah. Ocular's got to get paid. You know, There's guys that are going to come down that they're going to have to get some money towards. So I think that makes the decision extremely hard, and I also think it, it – affects the outcome of the 2020 season for the Packers on the reverse side. If he does blow the doors off and has an incredible season, you know, maybe post some top five running back numbers or, you know, leads the league in touchdowns or what have you, it makes the Packers job really simple. They can't bring him back at that point and they just let him go test the free market. So I I would, I would prefer the second one just because it's going to make it easier and the you know the value and the production you're gonna you're gonna know that okay he deserves to get paid but he's it's not gonna be by uh, the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, and I think um, the I'm not like when it comes to salary and stuff like that that is not my specialty so it's hard for me to determine based on that. But as a football fan, I don't want to watch players not give 110% on the field just to play for the next year contract kind of thing. Like if he has an off year just because it's an off year, then that's just how it is. That's life that happens to all the players. But I don't want to see him take a step back because he's worried about not being able to play with the Packers the following year. Like if he just goes out there, blows the water up and whatever, has a phenomenal year and then we can't pay him, that's just how it is but I would rather see him have a phenomenal year and get this team in championship mode, which we saw is possible from last year. And he's a huge contributing factor to that. So it would be really, really tough just because it's so great to finally have a running back that you feel like you can rely on both in rushes and receiving, but you with money and the market of the running back and what they're worth these days and kind of um, with this young talent that we don't know until this year, what we'll see out of like AJ Dillon or maybe Williams has a breakout year, but it's just tough to think that we have this guy who 
could end up going and being amazing for another team who can afford him. So it makes this year, you want to have fun watching him this year and hope that he does really well because there's no guarantee of getting to enjoy watching him with the Packers next year. Yeah. And more more than likely, when a running back is specifically on a contract year, more often than not, the team really runs that guy into the ground. And that's just the nature of the NFL, right? It's, what have you done for me lately? And you're trying to, you know, get as much tread out of those tires as you can. So I would highly speculate that Aaron Jones is going to get a large amount of production. Um, and maybe that would even save Jamal Williams if they were to sign him to a deal, you know, to preserve him a little bit. So I would imagine Aaron Jones is going to get a lot of touches this year, a lot of opportunities to go out and highlight himself to go get paid in the next offseason. See, I I almost think differently, Matt. Okay. Because because of AJ Dillon and the situation that we're coming into where we're not going to be able to see AJ Dillon in a live game situation until week number one, you know, um, like the, like those first couple of games, like the first really, you could argue like the first six weeks are going to be like basically pseudo preseason snaps for guys like, uh, Deguara and AJ Dillon. Um, I, I think honestly, and th- and this is, this is what kind of is, uh, was the thought process behind like the hypothetical that I asked you guys is, I, I can imagine a scenario where Matt LaFleur is running sort of a like a stable running back um you know core where Aaron Jones isn't necessarily he like the his his like he's still giving a hundred percent like that like like I, I don't think that he would ever purposefully tank or, or do anything like that. But I think that there's a situation that could come up where his numbers are down from last year, but that's only because Jamal Williams and AJ Dillon are increasing their production in this offense. And I I mean, it's, I mean, it's pretty obvious that they drafted AJ Dillon where they did because they're prepared to lose either Jamal Williams or Aaron Jones, if it comes down to it. And so you would have to imagine that, especially, like I said, without any preseason, they're going to give A.J. Dillon a fair number of uh, of snaps, at least prob- probably not early on. Uh, it'll be fairly limited, but, you know, as we get into the middle of the season, wh- however that may look, I, I, I would see, I would really uh, not be surprised if there was a situation where we saw A.J. Dillon splitting more, like taking more of that time away from Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones and, I think that knocks. I think that probably does knock his his stats down, which obviously don't you know translate directly to like what kind of contract you get. I mean, people can see the talent that he is. Something to take into uh, account too, and I just I, I wish I could really like get a a full honest answer from Aaron Jones on this. Is he has to see what happened with like Le'Veon Bell? and other running backs, you know, not necessarily that he was like trying to hold out or force a trade or or do anything like that, but he sees what the market value is sort of for running backs going into their, their second contract. And like, unless they're a huge all-star, it's really not anything that crazy. You know what I mean? Like, like there's like, I just, unless he, unless he throws up Christian McCaffrey like numbers this year, which he almost did last year, to be fair. 
I, I just don't I don't know how much of how like how big that market is going to be for him. You and know? Think, yeah, and I think that's the way the running backs are. Janelle talked about that, just the way um, running backs are valued, right? Yeah. And it's not like a quarterback or receiver where it's you can see like a you know it's if there's a top ten list, it's pretty evenly increased across the board from number 10 to number one where I feel like running backs it's almost like a pool of like three four five guys kind of on their own island the Christian McCaffrey's the Alvin Kamara's when he gets paid and like those guys are lumped into one and then if you're not into that group you don't really get that top money or you're not really like affected by your your salary into that tier so and I think it's just overall the way the running backs are treated right that's Janelle and I recorded our first podcast ever Two, like two years ago for Packers were allowed me to discuss when they brought in Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones, and Devontae Mays in that same draft, like to be able to just use them as a platoon and beat the hell out of them and run them till they dry. And that's basically what they've done. And it's worked. They were able to keep two out of the three and both have been very productive. But I think, yeah, if he doesn't really blow the doors off, he's not really going to have a situation where he's going to you know, necessarily deem that top money. And we've seen that recently. Le'Veon Bell is a fantastic example. Yeah, and I think um, just with the running back position on the market, running backs are a very injury-prone category. So a lot of teams don't want to really pay big money. And luckily, Aaron Jones hasn't, up to this point, knock on wood, had those problems. But the running back position, not to take away from any of their talent, is kind of a more disposable position on the team where you really see running backs filtered through more than any position and that's just because they get beat up really bad and injury prone and they really just take a beating in those first four prime years so by the time their second contract rolls around it's like okay how like how physically okay is this guy doing what can he produce will he be good enough for the next four years health-wise all this stuff so Money-wise, it's just a lot to consider based on just that position group, not even the player itself, just the way the running back position is these days. Yeah, wasn't that episode that you guys recorded, wasn't that uh, the the curse that that had Aaron Jones end up with that, that ticket there? Wasn't, wasn't that you guys that ticket. jinxed him into that? So he was coming <laughs> off that suspension. He was coming off that suspension. Okay. Uh, that year. But yeah, uh <laughs> Yeah. I still that that's still like that that whole episode of you guys doing that and then like almost well did something I wasn't it I I swear it was like you guys recorded that and then like a week or two later or like a day or two later something like he got the suspension, didn't he? No, or was we, he we were, on suspension before? Yeah, we were going into it knowing that okay. he was on a two two game suspension. So we okay. basically, I remember the premise of that episode. It was um, around if Jamal Williams would step up or if anyone else was on the roster to be able to you know take some of the running That's away right. from Aaron Jones, and then also like if they were to still believe in him, if he was still going to be a knucklehead and get suspended again. That was part of it, but um, yeah. So he got he got the suspension. Okay. It was like he got the suspension like a little bit before you guys did your, your podcast. Okay, so he screwed you guys over. So you guys have the beef <laughs> much. <him>. Yeah. <laughs> um. This I I only have one more thing that I really want to talk about with this running back group, and it's really more geared for toward Matt. So Janelle, I, I, I apologize, but Matt, you're a you're sort of a fantasy football guy, right? Oh yeah. How do you look at this running back group when it comes to fantasy football? Because I just did my first draft last night. 
and I did um, an auction draft, and I got Aaron Jones for uh, $19. Mm-hmm. And A.J. Dillon went for a buck near the end of the draft. Jamal Williams was nowhere to be seen. Where do wow. you kind of – how do you kind of value what this running back group looks like in terms of fantasy football? So auction drafts I haven't done a ton of, but overall I think um, I was – I'm glad you pointed out that A.J. Dillon and Jamal Williams not being drafted. So Aaron Jones, I think you're going to have to pay for him, right, if it's an auction. Relatively, I think Aaron Jones is a high pick. I would imagine he's in the top two rounds easily. Uh, where Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon, it's like, well, A.J. Dillon's upsides far exceeds what Jamal Williams could do. I mean, because you could really make an argument that Jamal Williams might be phased out and they're going to use A.J. Dillon as the ground and pound and he's going to get the goal line touches. And um, so I would see him as a, a possible flyer to stash. And especially with just, the, you know, you kind of already know what you're going to get from Jamal Williams. There's not really, I, I think Jamal Williams took a step up last year. I was impressed by him. I wasn't very excited i mean i've never been a huge jamal williams fan but last year he he showed me a little bit more and um i just think you kind of know what you're going to get where aj Dillon, you might it, it worth the dollar or worth the you know the the 13th 14th 15th round pick to to snag him and and stash him away on your team so um yeah aaron jones is going to be solid again uh and he's probably he might he might play to that value at that second round pick or late first round, but I, I think a, a, a decent value would be that AJ Dillon to, to to vulture some touchdowns in the goal line. Janelle, what's your opinion on the fantasy football? Because you've pl- you play fantasy football, right? Do you have any any uh, takes? Yeah, I guess like when it comes to those lower guys, it's kind of like when you get to the end of the draft, and running backs are always like the first to go because there's so few that will get you solid points depending on what kind of league you run like weekly. So it would be a fun risk to get someone late in the draft and then just see, and maybe all of a sudden you draft Dylan really late and all of a sudden he turns into a solid number two on this team. And like you said, could be sharing uh, almost half the touches with Jones. So yeah, I think if you can get AJ Dylan late, it, I mean, from a Packer perspective, it could benefit you because you never know. And I think the most important thing on a football team running back wise is to have two running backs with completely different styles. So you could have a game where Aaron Jones, it's just not like he can't get through the line because he's more of a slippery runner. Whereas the reason I like Williams is because he can just kind of plow through a guy. So if Dylan kind of fills in that role like Jamal does, there might be games where all of a sudden Dylan is just explosive because he does better against that defensive line and maybe it's not Jones day. So you never know. Sometimes it's good to have those different style running backs on your roster and in fantasy and in real life. So I'm, I'm excited to see Dylan kind of pursue that role or, you know, Matt and I, if we uh, have a fullback that can pursue that role too, that'd be pretty cool too. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Great segue, Janelle. We forgot, Matt. I want to give you. I'm going to give you like two solid minutes here. Whatever you want to say about the fullback position with the Green Bay Packers, since we kind of lumped that in together. What are your thoughts, dude? I talked about this. I think it was on our podcast recently, where it says, "I don't know what the heck they're doing because they keep just filtering these guys out." It's like it's like Matt Lafleur's on on Tinder or Bumble and just like swiping right <laughs> for every single fullback, and then like taking them out on dates like ah you don't fill in the role you're not versatile enough ah you're not big enough you can't catch the ball like so now they only have one on the roster 
I just, it's, it's goofy to me. And then they came into this off season with like a ton of guys. And it's, I can think back even last year when uh, Nathaniel Hackett was brought in as the OC and they brought in uh, Tommy Bohannon from Jacksonville. I thought that was the guy. I thought Danny Vitale was going to be the dude. And it's just like Elijah Wellman had his his 24 hours of fame and people were going crazy about his mullet. But I, I don't know. I really don't know what they're trying to do with that fullback position. I thought it was Danny Vitale. Like, I thought he was A1, the perfect person to have in that offense. And especially just some of the flashes he had in preseason the last year, clearly not the case. I I mean, I, I think the fullback position is not as important to Matt LaFleur offense, where I think it's more of like the Josiah DeGuara, uh, where can you line up, what type of matchups can you bring, and not, not necessarily the, the you know, put your hand in the dirt and, you know, make a seal for someone. So, um, I you know, I think Matt LaFleur respects the fullback position. There's not a lot of coaches or offense corners that still respect it because it's a, it's, a it's a dying breed and it's a dying necessity. But I, uh, I, I expect them to at least – eventually find someone that they can rely on and um i mean i don't know i just i would like there to be a guy that's on the roster for more than one year so i can actually be super jacked about it but i mean we've gone through so many as packer fans it's almost like you you miss the days where you had a consistent fullback that you'd always know that was out there i mean i think ripkowski is a free agent i really like ripkowski so i wouldn't be <laughs> mad if they snagged him back on the roster but he doesn't he doesn't fit what uh lafleur's trying to do but i, I mean it would be nice Rip familiar name. goes out there and plows people over that's what matters as a fullback <laughs> that is the most animated matt has been this entire <laughs> podcast was that he got to rant about the fullback position matt do you what do you think about i know, I know like a lot of people have he's he is a tight end but the idea of like robert deguara kind of being that pseudo like false halfback where he kind of plays that halfback position or a fullback position what do you think about that i i don't mean to call you you said robert deguara so i'm like robert tanyan josiah deguara they morphed and oh, had a, Jesus, a fullback they had a oh fullback my god child. i did put them so, together i made some frankenstein josiah deguara i am just that's the one or two one of the two picks in the draft that i was just very disappointed on very underwhelming i i mean it yeah, that's probably what they're trying to have him do, but I just feel like the value they grabbed him in the third round didn't, didn't make sense to me, um, especially with a low tight end class. Like it wasn't very talented. I, I think that's what they're looking for from him. But I mean, it might not, he might not even fit that role, right? They they lined up Jay Sternberger last year uh, back there, and they clearly like him and his versatility. So I like to see what he does. But if Deguar can fit into that H back fullback role and put his hand in the dirt and go up for passes, and that, that's cool. But I just, I just uh, we'll have to wait and see to see what he actually can produce and what he can do on the field in a, you know, a season where you're really not going to have a ton of reps in and you're not going to have a lot of, you know, back and forth communication. I would think that's you know, able to figure out that position a little bit more than what he was probably asked to do in Cincinnati. And Matt, you kind of talked about like the draft disappointment in that pick. So it kind of makes me wonder and want to ask you guys. So obviously people were pretty thrown off by the A.J. Dillon draft. So if we don't see big production from him this year, what do you guys think is going to be the talk about him in this draft? Oh, boy. I, that would be that would be rough. If he doesn't see, I don't want to say significant playing time, but if he's not competing for that number two spot and he's just really like maybe a, a one yard and a cloud of dust type guy or first and goal on the two and they're giving him the ball. Like if that's really only his, what, what, what production he's having, I think that's going to be an issue because 
I was skeptical about the AJ Dillon pick. It took me a while to come around to it, but knowing that they are trending towards more of a ground and pound offense, they spent second round draft capital on him. I think if he doesn't, if he doesn't show some promise, there's going to be a lot of pissed off Packer fans. Yeah, because as we've seen with Rashawn Gary, Packer fans are very calm, cool, collected about draft and develop when it comes to high draft picks like that. Uh, we we've seen it, you know. We've already we've already seen that, you know. If a guy doesn't necessarily come out and be an All Pro in his very first year at a position that already has some significant depth to it, Packer fans are really okay letting this team kind of like do its thing and coaches and scouts be, you know, doing their God forsaken jobs and, uh, you know, actually develop talent for two or three years down the line than right now. So I'm like you're okay with like the, if he's not super high end productive this year, if he kind of segues into it and then Matt's kind of saying, no, if he doesn't put up big numbers, we know that Packer Twitter is going to be not like, big numbers. Just opportunity. <laughs> he needs to get a few touches a game and yeah. wind up out there. That's yeah. But yeah, he's right. not out there doing like Dexter Williams numbers, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, like I like I agree with Matt. Like there needs to be, we need to see something because I think obviously the coaches need to see something. If he's if he you draft like this whole draft this year was mostly about preparing for next year's free agency, two years free agency um, with, you know, position groups that you are looking at guys maybe possibly moving on. And AJ Dillon, we've said already, ha- is supposed to be that next guy. And so you have to figure out at least what he can do and make sure that he can be a guy to possibly take over for for Williams and Jones. But I, I, I just, I can picture already that this, that, Exactly what you got, like what we were just saying. Like, if he's not out there doing Jamal Williams style numbers this year, Packer fans will lose their mind because it could have been a wide receiver. It could have been this. You know, this this is AJ Dillon is exactly the kind of position, the kind of pick that you're supposed to make if you're a successful team. You have every position group addressed right now. You have potential pro bowlers arguably at almost every position this draft is about taking care of the depth and figuring out for next year and so i don't need to see crazy stuff from aj dillon this year but would like to see something yeah for sure you don't need to see it but it'd be cool if it happens like you won't be mad if all of a sudden aj dillon turns into a star (laughs) yeah I'm not okay. I'm not even gonna. Uh, no, no, no. I had a thought that just ran through my head. I'm not gonna even put it out into the universe. I'll tell you guys off mic so that it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't get picked up by whatever demon is controlling 2020 because I don't even want to put it out there. But uh, yeah, let's let's just hope that we see three guys in the running back position this year who all make a case for being a number one running back next year. How about that? That sounds like a good. A good way to end it, right? Everyone has an all-pro year this year for the running backs. The most positive ending to a podcast I think we've ever had. Ever, <laughs> unless ever. Matt comes in and shuts it down like he usually does. <laughs> 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 well, uh, before Matt has a chance to do that, let's go. Let's wrap this up. Um, make sure, guys, that you keep following us through the rest of the next couple of weeks as we break down more of these position groups. They're going to be talking about the wide receiving core next week, which. 
uh, I'm super jealous about because I really wanted to get a chance to talk about that. But I know that the crew next or tomorrow is going to be uh, doing a great job with that. And obviously the rest of the uh, the next couple of episodes are going to be the same thing. So make sure you're following us. Like, subscribe, rate, review. Tell your friends about us. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. Guys, uh, where can people find you out on the uh, Twitterverse? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Matt underscore Frey underscore. It's at M-A-T-T underscore F-R-A underscore. Janelle, where can everyone find you on Twitter? You can find me at Big Mac underscore four. Mac is M-A-C-K. And if you're still following me through all this hockey stuff, you're awesome. Um, I'm on there as well at DK all the way. Um, I will also promote to, uh, you can catch me on game on Wisconsin's Lombardi's bar every Wednesday night at eight 30 Eastern seven 30 Lambo time. Um, we've been talking to some great guests. We've already had Kenny Clark on last week. And, uh, as a small little teaser, either this week or next week, we will be talking to one of the players that we were just talking about on today's episode. I'm not trying to be vague on purpose. I literally just don't know when that is going to be, but it will be the next two weeks. So if you want to follow us over there as well, Um, but until next time, guys, hopefully we have even more uh, training camp stuff to talk about. And uh, until then, go pack, go, go pack, go, go pack, go.